You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. In today's episode, I'm having a conversation with Lara Casey, a mom to three, one through the gift of adoption, a grateful wife, and a believer in the impossible. As CEO of Cultivate What Matters, Lara is the creator of the best-selling Power Sheets Intentional Goal Planner, the Write the Word Bible Journals, and she authored two books, Make It Happen and Cultivate. Lara founded Southern Weddings Magazine a decade ago and loves getting her hands dirty in the garden with her kiddos in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I have been a fan and follower of Lara's for years now, so I am so excited to bring you this conversation with her today. Be sure to stay tuned through the episode, drop us your thoughts on social media, and without further ado, welcome Lara. Thank you. You are so kind. I appreciate all those sweet words. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Laura, I feel such a kinship to you too, because make it happen has been one of my own personal slogans and mantras for basically forever. And I was also a musical theater junkie. <laughs> so oh, you, we yeah. have so much in common. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so can you, can you walk us through basically the order of operations for your career so far? Because it's so interesting to me what your background is in, your trajectory to where you are now, both professionally and personally, since I know so many of your personal and family values are hugely important and influential in your career as well. Yes. So it is, it's amazing. I think that where we are in our world right now with so much going on, uh, so much change, so much uncertainty that we've experienced. Uh, it's been a time for us to really reflect on our lives. And I thought so much about, wow, I'm so grateful for all the twists and turns in my path that led me here to be able to serve in unique ways in this time. And uh, like you said, I have a degree in music and theater, which is so weird to say out loud <laughs> considering what I do right now. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, I did grow up uh, singing and dancing and thought that that's where I was going to spend my life. And what I loved most about that, though, was people's stories. I really loved um, getting to know a character. I mean, it's just like when you fall in love with a character in a book, and you're mm -hmm. like, please, book, don't end. Uh, that's very similar to how I felt about theater, because you understand that person's motivations, and you really get into their story. And I just loved the art of theater. I loved being able to tell someone's story. And fast forward to uh, graduating from college, I moved to New York City, and uh, obviously New York City is heavy on my heart and my mind at this time, and I uh, thought that I was going to do theater there, but had a twist in my path as Hurricane Ivan hit my family in Florida, and um, that was a, a, one of those wake-up call moments as experiences like that can be of, wow, what really matters in life and where am I going? Um, during that time that I moved to New York City, I had also gotten interested in personal training just as a, a job um, instead of doing theater. And um, I really threw myself into being a personal trainer and left theater behind in that time. I just felt like I, I love the art of theater. I don't love auditioning for my life every day. I don't love the business of the business. I would just like to do the fun part, <laughs> <laughs> the telling people's story part. Um, and I really loved the idea of working one-on-one -on -one to understand someone's story and their motivation and help them to live out what matters in a personal training relationship. It just was a perfect fit for me and pretty seamless from what I had done, interestingly enough. Uh, <laughs> and so I was a personal trainer for several years in New York, moved back to Florida to help my parents when the hurricane hit them. And then during that time, my mom, I grew up with an entertaining mother uh, she threw dinner parties and is a trained French chef and now writes a food column. And so we wow. always had people in the house and she's always throwing these wonderful parties. And the celebration was a part of my blood. And I uh, got interested in event planning during that time being home with her. Um, and this was, of course, during a time when a lot of the Southeast was recovering from Hurricane Ivan. And it was a devastating time for my family. And so having something to look forward to, whether it's a neighborhood barbecue or a lavish celebration was really wonderful. And I 
I just fell in love with the world of weddings. Uh, this was way back before the wedding industry kind of exploded. Um, I just, the, the idea of once again, being able to understand someone's story and to be able to play that out through music and sound and lighting and a script, if you will, as far as a wedding timeline goes. As you can see, all these things, even though they seem on the surface so disconnected from each other, they are so deeply connected throughout my history. Um, and so I was doing personal training and I dabbled in wedding planning. I had my hands in both of those things. And uh, long story short, met my husband. He deployed with the Marines to Iraq shortly after we married. And during that time, I was really scared for him and needed a project, <laughs> needed something to keep my mind occupied. So uh, late one night, I got on my computer and I thought to myself, wouldn't it be cool if we started our own wedding magazine? That would be really neat to be able to tell people's stories there. And um, yeah, just to, to do something right now that is infusing beauty in this world that feels so broken. And so we did. We did. It's amazing what devastating times like we're in right now can birth out of people. Uh, I just felt like, what do I have to lose right now? <laughs> Let's start a wedding magazine. Hey, friend, why don't you pretend to be the bride and you make a bouquet of flowers and you do be the photographer. And this was, again, back before people really did these inspiration to reality type of photo shoots. So we started our little wedding magazine. And again, fast forward, the wedding magazine took off and it became Southern Weddings Magazine. Um, and through my journey of learning from the ground up how to be a business owner, how to be in publishing, how to make a product, how to do writing and journalism. I mean, I had to learn all of it um, and how to be a business leader, how to lead a team, um, very grassroots. <laughs> but that led me to have lots of people ask me for business advice. And um, I started something called the Making Things Happen Conference. And that, as you and I share, we both have a love for the phrase, make it happen. Um, that conference has now been around for over 10 years. It's just crazy that this has lasted so long. Um, so Southern Weddings continued to grow. I continued to give business advice. Um, I started to teach people about how to set goals. This is something that was not new to me at all with personal training. These are all the things that I've carried through my story. So as I'm saying this, I'm sure there are lots of people listening that are thinking, my story is sort of like that. I have all these disjointed pieces and I always wondered why in the world was I a waitress on a cruise ship for a week, you know, or whatever it might be. You'll never know how those things will lead to the next thing or how they will connect. Um, and that led me to here. And I've written two books on my journey, Cultivate and Make It Happen. And they really are um, about my mistakes, those books. Um, they're about the hard things I've been through that led to the good things. Uh, and that is, I think, the foundation on which we built this secondary company, Cultivate What Matters, which is um, really was born out of my need and my desire to take all these things that I had on my plate, motherhood at the time, a business that was growing, so many things. And how do I focus? How do I just choose the things that are most important? I can't do it all and do it well but I can choose to cultivate what matters. And that's where we made our first products, one of which uh, became the Power Sheets Intentional Goal Planner, which is our mainstay product now. Um, and that led us to have this business, Cultivate What Matters, grow so much that um, we eventually had to make the hard decision to let Southern Weddings go two years ago, almost two years ago. I think it was maybe two years ago. Um, and that's, you know, that is uh, something that I think we're all finding ourselves in right now is how do we do the things that matter most? We cannot do it all. And there are times in our lives we have to choose which one is more important. And sometimes those things are very painful. I didn't want to let go of Southern Weddings. And we still miss it sometimes. Um, but now that I'm here in such a time as this, I am so grateful that that uh, chapter closed, we finished the work we were given to do there so that we could now have this whole new realm of possibility to help women, not just in a marrying stage, but in every stage of life. And now, I mean, I, I almost feel like, and, I, and I, I don't know really what God's plans are, you know, but I wonder if he purposed all that for right now for us to be able to serve in this time. So there's my story in a nutshell. It's all over the place, but it led me here. <laughs> 
I love that. And it resonates so much with me because I had so much of that in my own journey as well. And I feel like what you said really hits the nail on the head in that if you sit back and think about all of the different things that brought you or were a part of your journey to get to where you are today, more often than not, I feel like you can pull out pieces where you're like, oh, I see how this random thing, like you said, you could be a waitress on a cruise ship for a week and there's still something there that you will learn or that you'll cultivate within yourself that will somehow come back full circle a decade later where you can say, hey, Mm -hmm. I remember that actually helped me and I pulled from that now. (laughs) So I love that. What advice would you have going off of that for anyone that might be listening in, sitting here, feeling a little bummed out, thinking that maybe they missed their shot at a dream because they majored in the wrong thing or they had their path take a different turn and they're feeling, they're not yet seeing that other side that you and I kind of have that perspective of now since we can draw, connect the dots in hindsight is 2020. What would you tell them now? Yes. Number one, I would say um, my journey, I told you that in probably eight minutes, but that took years. I mean, it took years for me to, and so much hard work to get to certain points on the journey and so many mistakes along the way. I did not do everything right. So the best advice I can give is to know that you will not have perfect things happen overnight. And I don't think we like hearing that. I think people would much rather hear, here's the trick that you can use to (laughs) fast forward your journey. There is no substitute for hard work. And I come from a generation now that um, was very focused on hard work. And this current generation is too. But I think that's something I'm seeing is that we have to let go of the expectation that we're going to have our perfect dream job right off the bat. What if it takes you 10 years to get there? It did for me. What if it takes you 10 years after college to get there? And what if your path takes twists and turns? Will it be worth it? For me, I would say 1 million bajillion percent. Yes, it would be worth it. I would totally want to go through all those things that led me here because it's allowed me to serve other people. Absolutely. And that's so interesting too, because the generation now today, I always wonder if it'll be, if they have a different perspective or if it will be different since we live in this age of more instant gratification with things like TikTok or Instagram, where people can literally become, especially on something like TikTok, an overnight success. So the generation, yeah. might, they're not necessarily yeah. seeing this decade process and transformation to bring you from point A to point B. They're going, how can I get viral overnight? So it's almost like having to cultivate a new sense of patience and discipline and hope because Mm -hmm. it might not necessarily be this like quick TikTok recipe for success. (laughs) Absolutely. You're right. And I feel like that it's such a hindrance for us. We kind of have to put our blinders on and in such a beautiful way that I guarantee you the overnight success people have is not nearly as good as the long-term roots you can plant with something that really matters. And um, even now, there are things that I want to grow in the way that I mother, in the way I lead, um, in the skills that I have. And I don't have the expectation that those things are going to happen overnight. And I think when you take the long view, when you really sink into the fact that little by little over time, good things can grow, you start to relax a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And you start to find your security in things that don't have to do with a job title that you acquire or a number in your bank account or the number of followers that you have. Um, Yeah, it's a much more rich way to live. Absolutely. So Laura, how do you define the word cultivate? Because I, I love that word and I love that that's what you've chosen to use because it's such a strong action item that has real intention behind it. But what does it actually mean and look like to you? And why is that the word that has, that so much of your brand has been built upon? You know, it's so ironic. I sometimes forget that I used to be a plant killer. And <laughs> I was not a gardener. And I, I mean, I killed a lot of plants in my life. Oh, I can uh, yeah. And I, it, it's, it's really amazing how it didn't happen overnight, like we said, but over time, when I was faced with many hard things in my life, going through uh, depression and anxiety and miscarriage and loss and hardships, several things in that one acute period, I realized, you know what? I am not in control of this life. <laughs> I cannot make things happen overnight. Uh, and in those seasons, especially like when you have a new baby or that you're going through caring for an ailing parent or right now in our world, 
you may feel like the only thing you can do is small things. And when you start to do those small things, you realize how actually quickly those things add up. Um, whether it is, and for me in that season, I, I distinctly remember it was, I want to grow the faith of my children. I want to grow um, my connection with my children. I want to grow their curiosity. It felt so daunting. I felt so far away from this picture in my head. But then I realized, actually, you know what it starts with? It starts with me just sitting here for an extra five seconds with them. It starts with me literally getting outside with them and getting my hands dirty. And somehow that grew in me this insatiable desire to care for things and tend to things little by little over time because I started to see the results of it. So it's almost counterintuitive. We think to ourselves, the only way I'm going to feel good about life is if I get instant results and get that instant thing. But I guarantee you that the little steps forward you take actually do take root a lot faster than we think. Um, and yeah, and it just slows you down enough to notice them. Mm -hmm. I love that. So then I guess going off of that too, how do you then define make it happen? Because I know mm -hmm. we both love that phrase and I know we're also both women of faith and Christians and that our journey with the Lord trumps everything else. So where do you think is the line between us making it happen and God making it happen? Because yeah, especially really in a time good. like this, I mean, I always think of the story of David and Goliath when thinking about it myself, because God fully equipped David to defeat the giant, but he didn't do it for him. So mm. David still needed to pick up his stones and go to battle himself. So what does making it happen look like for you? Yeah, that's, it's such a great question. And I think these things so beautifully intertwine together. So for me to cultivate my garden, the word definition of cultivate really means to till up the soil and prepare it for new growth. Um, but here's the thing. I, I need to, I just did this in my garden. I need to be the one to stick the shovel in the ground. I need to be the one to turn the soil over. I need to prepare the soil. I need to be the one to obediently plant my seeds. I need to let go of those seeds and stick them in the ground. And then I have to step back and I have to trust. I have to trust that hopefully, Lord willing, those seeds are going to do what they need to do. We plant, especially right now, we have very little ability to control the trajectory of our world right now. We have very little ability to see how things are going to progress in a lot of ways, right? But we do have the distinct and beautiful ability to plant good seeds right now and believe in what we can't yet see. It's mm. just like farmers. They plant seeds. They, they work really hard. They are diligent. They are very knowledgeable and skilled and they do hard labor and yet they plant their seeds and there's no guarantee that they're going to grow, but they plant them in faith anyway. They don't know what the weather's going to do or how many tomatoes are going to come on every bush as, as hard as they try. They really can't control it. So it's, it's akin to how I feel about the phrase, make it happen now. Um, to make it happen means to do our part, means to do the things that we've been given to do in faith and to trust that God will do the rest. I can't make that seed grow when I stick it in the ground, you know? I can't force it to grow a certain number of flowers, but I can do my part and water it and tend to it day by day and hope and faith that it'll grow. I love that. I totally agree. And what would you say though to people who maybe are struggling and they're in this place of planting what feels like seed after seed and not seeing the growth where maybe they feel like their faith is being, is being tested or it's shaken because they're not seeing something is there mm -hmm. anything maybe that you've told yourself in periods of doubt or struggle like that, or just anything that you think is kind of hope giving for people to cling to in those seasons where they're really hoping for something to come to fruition and start blossoming, but it's just not there? Yes. Oh, so many things, especially right now. <laughs> uh, I will first say that there's no one size fits all answer to this. That if there was, we'd be able to, for instance, read our Bible and read one verse and then be done with it and never have to go back to it. But in general, when I am faced with times where I feel like I am just getting nowhere and I feel like, God, why can't you make this happen? Like, this seems like the perfect plan. Why have my plans not come to fruition? It's exactly what you said. And you said it so beautifully. Um, you feel yourself stretching, you feel your faith growing and it may not feel good, right? It doesn't feel so good at first. <laughs> You're like, this feels more like pain than growing. 
that in retrospect, you may not feel it at the moment, but in retrospect, I think we tend to realize that that actually was the gift of the whole experience. There have been so many things that God has said a flat out no to me on and things that I thought were really good and really good for his kingdom. Like, super good. They still make me frustrated. <laughs> but uh, now when I look back on those things, not that we're always going to have a perfect view of why everything happened for the way it did. We like to do that. But um, the hope is in the fact that no matter our circumstances, no matter what he does or does not do in this life, we have the hope of eternity. And I know that is very hard to wrap our heads around in real life on a day-to-day basis, you know. Uh, but that's where I go to. I always go to that. I'm like, well, You've gotten me through crazy things before. You got me. <laughs> you got my attention. And so I believe that you will, you will do whatever you need to do with this particular situation. And one example for me was um, going through miscarriage before we had Josh. I just over and over and over. And I know so many women are, are going through this right now. You look at those pregnancy tests and you're like, what in the world? Like, do I really have to go through this again? And many times it's years and years and years, and there's no guarantee that something's going to happen with that. Um, But I think that stretching season for me actually opened up my compassion for so many women that are going through that or going through waiting or going through loss. And that in itself was the very best gift I could have gotten. I never would have been able to make very dear, close, long, lifelong friendships with some of the people I'm friends now with now had I not been stretched in that time. And that's what's so beautiful with it too, because sometimes the, the gift or the reason isn't directly, isn't what we think would be directly correlated yeah, yeah. to what we were expecting. But when you are able to look at it from that bird's eye view <clears throat> or attempt to look at it from that massive perspective that God has on it all, there's, there's lines being drawn and you can say, okay, I can see how this might've been tied to this. I had the same thing when our daughter was in the NICU for 73 days. And I just kept going, God, why? Like day 70 was enough. Like, why do we have to endure 71 or like, but the amount of people that would come to me through my social media and say, you know, Mm -hmm. seeing your strength is what gave me strength to go through my thing. Or it gave me hope in another thing. I was like, you know what? It it might not have been at all for my little family unit. It might've been for somebody watching our family unit Mm -hmm. just to give them something else that they needed because really we're all in this together and we're seeing that yes. now with what's happening in the world. So yes, couldn't agree more. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And when you break it down too, you do so much and we relate on this as well. You have your goals, your faith, your marriage, family, thriving business. So from the outside, people probably look and say you have, and you do it all. But I know from my own experience in life too, um, we, like you said, we can't do it all at the same time. So talk to us about how you really discern what matters the most in your life, maybe how that prioritization process works, and maybe like not how to not feel guilty when yeah. you're juggling the hats and having to make what feels like really tough choices in the moment. Yeah, I'm there today. <laughs> I just had to send a message to my whole team saying, saying I'm waving my white flag too many approvals on my plate. I cannot get to the things that actually matter the most. I need your help. So it starts with humility. Always, 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 always. I think we think we should be able to do it all. We should, I don't know, just so many things that we should do. We just got to throw that out the window. Number two, I don't do it all. Um, I truly have a remarkable team of women um, and they are leaders in what they do. They're experts in what they do. So I love that you pose this question because people do ask me that a lot. How do you do it all? I just don't. (laughs) But at the same time, I will say that I'm very intentional about where I spend my time and where I don't. So to the question of prioritization, um, for me, that's why I created my power sheets because I needed a way to not get distracted and I can get distracted uh, from things that are going to suck my time away. Um, The other thing is, and this has come to light for me in the last year and more than ever in this day and age we find ourselves in with coronavirus and the economy and so many things is Psalm 90:12. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. I think I've probably said that verse to myself a thousand times over the last year and a half. Um, and the reason is, is because when we look at the really big picture, when we look at the brevity of life, which is never more poignant than right now, uh, when we look at that, we actually get a gift. We get a gift of perspective. 
Uh, and I have, and I'm sure you have, and many of people listening have gone through these acute traumatic experiences, whether it's loss or a loved one that's going through challenges or a business that's failing or financial hardship. I mean, a myriad of things. Don't those things make you stop for a minute and think to yourself, what really matters here and what doesn't? I think that constant practice for me to always come back to that uh, has helped me day to day. It's how, how, and today even helped me to think to myself, when I look back at the whole of my life, what will I be so grateful I spent my time on today? And what will I be so grateful that I had the humility enough to say, I can't do this. And I'm sorry, I'm going to have to disappoint you and say no to this. So humility, looking at the big picture and asking yourself some hard questions. And um, it's a constant practice. I will say that too. I, I really think that there's no one day where I always get it perfectly. That's to me where my relationship with God comes in. I have to be asking him constantly, where do you want me to spend my time today? Will you please guide me? I'm probably going to mess it up today at some point, but just please point me in the right direction today. And then I get up the next day and I do it again. Do you think women struggle with what matters most in their life versus what they think should matter most or more? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I often, I wonder about how many of us are live, are living with crippling anxiety behind the scenes, yeah. wondering if we're doing it right or mm -hmm. if we're that magical word enough, or yeah. if we're just otherwise looking for this validation that our dreams and our desires of our hearts really are okay or God-given. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's how many of us are walking around thinking, this is what matters to me most versus should this matter more or, and it's just that battle as well. Yes, a thousand percent. Yes. And I think I even struggle with this. I think we all do. Yeah. Um, and I do believe that well, for me, I, I know that the one thing that never changes is God and, and that's my constant, but the way that he wants me to live out my life does change from day to day and moment to moment. In a lot of respects, it changes based on the needs of my family and the needs of my individual children and I wish that I could just put a stamp on it and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. But <clears throat> again, that, that would not require me to have any faith. Mm -hmm. So yes, I think we struggle with this. And I also believe that perhaps we don't need to get it perfect. The, the idea for me is that it's not so much about how perfect our plans are or how perfect our to-do lists are. It's more like, where is our heart oriented? Mm. Um, is my heart oriented in his direction? And granted, I'm never going to do that perfectly. But if my heart is, is consistently and constantly oriented in his direction, and I'm doing my very best to knock down all the barriers in between that and me, uh, then I think I can be on the good track. I love that. And I think I heard that years ago too, in reference to choosing your career or choosing what you're doing with the rest of your life, basically, where it's kind of like, you're, it's going to be a crazy path for many of us. And there's going to be twists and turns and you don't know which way it's necessarily going to go. So it's really mm -hmm. just about continually checking your heart and realigning it with the direction you think you should be going and where you want to be going. And then the rest will kind of fall into place, but really it's more of the heart journey than anything else. Absolutely. And, and you, we even see this outside. So we were made for seasons and uh, the seasons around us, they change consistently. And I really feel that's a mirroring to the rhythm that God wants us to have in our lives. And like you said, to constantly and consistently come back to what matters and consistently reassess. All right, where am I supposed to be right now? Um, again, I wish it was a just set it and forget it type of thing, but it's not. <laughs> Totally. And in a beautiful way, it's not. And that yeah. keeps us interested and that keeps things, keeps us on our toes. <laughs> so I'm sure this is going to be a varying answer, but what's like an average day in your life like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, average day right now is um, very grateful to still have childcare helping us um, in this time. That is uh, something I will not take for granted right now. And then who knows that could change by the time people are listening to this. Um, but uh, for me, I wake up really early. We do family breakfast instead of family dinner because our kids go to bed pretty early. So uh, depending on my husband's schedule, he works in a hospital and 
he might be out the door at five or we might be able to have some time together in the morning for breakfast. And usually it's me and the three kiddos in the morning for several hours. Uh, we do breakfast, we play out in the garden, they might read books or do crafts. And I'm typically running up and down my driveway to get exercise. That's <laughs> just what I'm doing right now. And I'm loving it. I'm owning it. We're in the PJs sometimes, waving to the neighbors. Hey, neighbor. Um, but making the most of this time. And I really relish those moments in the morning with my kids. And then eight o'clock on the dot, I usually uh, am transitioning into work time. Um, I lead a team meeting first thing in the morning at nine. Um, I'm typically in meetings for a good four hours of my day, whether it's with vendors or partners or teammates or collaborative type things. Um, and I was just, <laughs> we have a new, new notepad. It's a daily planner notepad that we just put out in our shop. And I was like, well, I could write my work schedule down on here, but that would make my head spin. So I'm not <laughs> going to do that. I'm going to use this notepad to pray for people on the hour instead. Um, oh, I and the, the, I, it's been so wonderful. I love it. Uh, but the, the reason I say that is because my work schedule shifts a lot. I'm here to provide vision to the team and leadership and uh, I flex as things go. So the beautiful thing about this time is that I am used to working from home. I've worked from home for my whole career pretty much. And so I do see the kids multiple times a day and hung out with them and had a picnic lunch today or run downstairs to get a snack and get a quick hug or something, or I'm here to sue the boo-boo or whatever is needed. And that is a, I absolutely praise the Lord for that gift. And then, uh, usually towards the end of the day, I'm working on uh, more long form projects. Um, again, it's a big variety of things, but, uh, whether that's podcast, writing content, newsletters, testing newsletters, there's so much variety in what I do every day. Uh, and then six o'clock I'm done. So I, I work pretty long hours. Um, usually eight to six. I do take a bunch of breaks in between. I'm about to shift my work schedule to be a little less in the summer and the fall coming ahead. Um, and uh, nighttime is my favorite. Uh, we, my husband gets home and we read to the kids. Um, we typically try to follow a single book, a chapter book that we're, you know, following a story for several weeks. We just finished Heidi and it was just beautiful. I cried at the end. It was so good. Uh, but we read to the kids, put the kids to bed and they're usually asleep by 730 so that Ari and I can have a lot of time together at night. And we may right now in this time we're doing um, our small group online on Zoom um, at night, or we're reading the news together so that we can talk about it and be productive with it. Um, or I'm doing my Write the Word journal at night. I'm doing our Write the Word Hope journal right now, which has been so life-giving. And then we're old folks, and we're usually in bed by like 9, 9.30, <laughs> because we wake up so early at 5.30 usually. Uh, so that's a typical day for me. I try to get outside a ton. I take a lot of br breaks at work. Um, and I'm very grateful for these days. I'm grateful for um, right now. I, I'm trying not to think about what could happen in the future or what if my husband gets sick or what if I get sick and that's a real possibility. Um, but right now I'm very, very grateful for how we've been able to modify things. Absolutely. And it's funny you said that your old folks going to bed by nine. My husband and I literally had this conversation this morning because we went to bed at 11 last night, which was far too late for us. So we <laughs> said, okay, back to the 9 p.m. bedtime. <laughs> yes. So yep, we're shifting our that. schedule to get back to that because that yes. makes a big difference. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And the other thing, I, I, I don't know why I forgot this because it's such a big part of our lives, but we do homeschool. Um, I mean, everybody homeschools right now, <laughs> but, um, we homeschool and we have a, for the last three years, um, with my oldest grace, um, we've done a kind of a combo program. She's been at a homeschool school and then she's home a couple of days a week. So my typical day is a full work day, but, um, we do homeschool now in between things and we make it work. <laughs> so are you doing, working on your business and then hopping back and forth between teaching? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes we have some wonderful yeah. teachers and tutors that help her out too. And now school online has started to kick in and she's been very independent with a lot. I think if she was a little younger, this would be a whole lot harder, but she's finally at the age where she can read and do things on her own. So mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for that as well. Oh, absolutely. So and then sometimes we'll do school on the weekend. Um, we'll just use our hours however we possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> you have to. <laughs> you do. Right now, you just got to get creative and do whatever works. Absolutely. So do you believe in balance? 
through all of that? Um, I do. And I know that's a term that has a lot of weight to it. Totally. I could, I could answer it in both ways. I could convince you that I don't, and I could convince you that I do, but um, I do. And, and the reason I say that is because um, of these rhythms that I have felt and seen in my life. And I don't think that balance means that life feels perfect, of course, but balance means that there is hard work. And there is, I mean, if you just read Ecclesiastes 3, there is a time for sorrow and a time for joy. And there are times for hard work in our lives and in our weeks and in our days and then times for rest and times when we are going to feel overwhelmed. And that hopefully leads us to times of deeper faith and deeper trust. So in that respect, I do believe in balance. I believe that the well of the word and God can help us to find the balance that we need in our humanness, <laughs> which requires a lot of that. <laughs> Absolutely. How do you work then to eliminate overwhelm when you are balancing or juggling multiple things at one time without really losing encouragement or hope in that process? So it doesn't feel like this constant roller coaster of faith. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I can't say that it doesn't feel like that sometimes. Mm -hmm. I, I do think that if we're taking risks for the things that matter most in our lives and trying to really use our time well, there will absolutely be times we feel overwhelmed. I do often. Um, and yet in those moments, I catch myself earlier and earlier and earlier now. And I know how to combat that for myself. And for me, a lot of it is stepping away for perspective, uh, taking a walk outside, um, changing my environment, clearing my head, um, I t try to take as many meetings as I can walking outside so that I can process better and not be so overwhelmed. And like I said, I have to raise my white flag and, and say, I cannot do this. Something has to go. Um, and it's inevitable that we will find ourselves in times in life um, of overload. And in those times, we get to choose humility. And that is a beautiful thing because when we choose it, other people see that and they realize that they also can choose humility and they can choose to say, I'm not perfect. I'm not a superwoman. Um, and, and, and I am choosing what matters most. I love that. And I love that you just said it's about the choice because that's something that I always say all the time on this podcast, especially when it comes to choosing your perspective. And so mm. that's such a gift that we have to choose, you know, yes. the, whether the, whether the glass is half full or half empty, the volume inside yes. is exactly the same. So it's really just comes down to the choice that you're making every single day to just see yes. one side or the other. They could mm -hmm. still be the exact the facts are facts. It could still be the exact same thing on either side of the, either side of the line there. But yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I've always admired to your ability to really just stand up and say, you know, it's okay to grow slow, but it's not a race. So I saw you said on Instagram recently something that really stuck with me. And you said, even Jesus didn't have Instagram or a megaphone. He had two feet and truth. And he sat around dinner tables and talked one-on-one -on -one with people. Good things grow little by little. Maybe despite everything everyone tells you, fast isn't the goal. Maybe a slower pace will help you, will help your roots stretch deep and wide. I just loved that so, so, so much. So if I'm someone who is admittedly addicted to the hustle, who's fast and fierce and always go, 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 but I want to be at peace and stillness and slow periods and not feel itchy, not feel itchy sitting yeah. still and really just embrace it. What's your advice? Uh, my best advice is to turn off the internet. And I mean it. Uh, I essentially gave up Instagram this year. And I don't know how long that will be or what, but for the last three months, I have barely used it. I think I've posted twice, maybe. Um, and it has been so eye-opening. I had very strong social media boundaries before, but uh, the amount of brain space and time and the ability to go at a pace, um, what I've heard called the pace of grace. Uh, it has just been really revealing to me. I didn't realize how much, and I, I'm definitely a feeler. Like, I think that is a gift that God gave me to uh, empathize with people and to understand where they are to the best of my ability. And I didn't realize how much I was doing that even through Instagram, even with the people that I love and my good friends or even my team um, and how much energy I was expending there. So uh, the answer to slowing down 
really does sometimes mean a hard cut. And uh, for me, it was cutting out something that I didn't realize I was so reactionary to that was making me feel like, oh man, no, that person did that. Well, we better get a move on on that. Uh, and it's not to say you should put blinders on fully. You know, I still check in on our team social media just so I know what's going on with things. But, um, but I, I really think that comparison actually adds to our speed many times. We just feel Absolutely. like we can't even find ourselves anymore. So pull the plug is my advice. <laughs> Because it's even when you put the blinders on, you're still going as fast as you can because you're still thinking about whatever's yeah. happening in the next lane. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, the amount of time and brain space that I've gotten back from that has really been extraordinary. And I, I praise God for this. And I really cannot credit anything that I did because of it. But when this whole uh, COVID-19 tsunami started to pour in on us, I felt ready for it. I felt like, wow, God, I'm so grateful that I'm not totally, you know, stressed out and worn out from where, how I used to feel. And I didn't even realize I felt this way. Um, but you've given me the margin and the brain space to be able to think about this, to pivot on this, to move quickly and to do what's best for us in the big picture. And again, I cannot take credit for any of that, but I can't help but think that that open mental space was a gift. Absolutely. What does the word intentional mean to you? Because I mean, from everything that you just said too, that's, that's kind of like the hot buzzword that keeps coming mm -hmm. back in my brain now in terms of how much intention all of that really takes to essentially, no pun intended, cultivate what matters yeah, and really create yeah. what yeah. you're trying to create. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think you're right. It's a buzzword that's thrown around so much and it just simply means to do something with a purpose. And uh, that's where, um, like we talked about, always coming back to what actually matters in the big picture, that will lead you to act with intention from the purpose of, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to live through this coronavirus crisis. I don't know. That's not something I can control. But um, I am going to do my very best to use this time to the very best of my ability. And that is intentional. So it's to do something with a purpose. I love that. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about goal setting, since that's something you are totally an expert at. What is your personal process for goal setting? Because I know you've got a bit of an unconventional take on goals with your power sheets. So can mm -hmm. you explain to listeners why you have your power sheets broken down into monthly, weekly, and daily action items, and maybe your advice on what to actually put in each? Yeah, that's great. Um, Yes. And I think what's so wonderful is our entire conversation so far is the reason why I do goal setting differently is because I want to grow slowly and reap the rewards of a cultivated life, um, a life that is, is rooted in something that's real. Um, and that does not mean it's going to be perfect. Um, you know, peonies, they grow through the dirt. They don't grow in perfect things. And it's the same with our lives. So the power sheets help you to number one, it's a three-step proven process to uncover what matters most in your life? And that's a very unique answer for all of us. And to give you a focus, because like we said, there's a million things we could do and the shoulds kind of weave their way in there. And where in the world am I supposed to focus? So number one is to find that, to uncover that through this guided process of worksheets. And then uh, number two is to make an action plan to, to do something about that. And then number three is to live it out. And that's where, like you mentioned, we have what's called our tending list, which breaks down those big picture priority the um, goals that you identify for your particular season, you break those down into small little bits because it's so much easier to do them in small little bits and you get more motivated to do them in small little bits. And that little by little progress really does add up. So um, as far as monthly and weekly and daily action items, I would definitely uh, recommend going to cultivatewhatmatters.com, especially for right now. We actually have a blog post about how to make a tending list um, in a time of uncertainty and some suggested action items for a monthly, weekly, and daily items. But I have to say too that it's less about what we put on our to-do list right now and like you mentioned, more about the reason, the purpose, um, the intention behind why we're doing them in the first place. There's a lot of good things we could do right now, but they may not add up to anything if we don't first know what really matters. So that's where you gotta start with step one. I love that. How can folks check back in with themselves now, maybe on 
resolutions or goals they set at the beginning of 2020? Because I know we're all seeing the COVID-19 memes and everyone saying, oh, mm-hmm. let's just start the year over, hit redo, yeah, yeah. scratch it all. So how can people kind of either stay on track or maybe get back on track or create something new entirely, especially in such a weird time of so much uncertainty and anxiety and so many bad feels that people are feeling yeah, right now. Absolutely. I, I mean, you said it perfectly. I'd say all of the above. This is a time to scratch everything and start over. And it's a beautiful opportunity for us to have more than ever a perspective on what matters and what doesn't. There are things a month ago that probably mattered to some people that really don't matter now. Uh, things that you're not spending your time on anymore. You're back to basics and back to the essentials. And so I was just telling my team this morning that this, in essence, as strange as it sounds, is a new year for us. It is an opportunity for us to examine, where am I spending my time? What actually does matter in the whole of my life? And when we are faced with the brevity of life, those answers become very clear to us very fast. We don't like to look at them sometimes, And a lot of times it does mean we're going to have to change. But the thing that does not work right now is to stay where you are. So my great advice to you is to shake things up, to take care of yourself, to take the long view and look at the big picture and use this as an opportunity to create new goals, shift your goals um, and go with it because we're going to be here for a while. And the question Mm -hmm. is, what are you going to do with it? Exactly. I know you and I too are both really big on giving yourself grace and choosing grace over guilt. So what mm. does that look like for you? Uh, that is the, the humility to say, it wasn't about what I accomplished. My value is not attached to what I accomplished. Uh, for me, my value is just in knowing the Lord. That's it. And so whatever I did on this list, that's just cake. <laughs> um, and also to be understanding of our lives right now and instead of guilt to use that uh, maybe that missed opportunity or that uh, lack of action or whatever it may be as fuel. I get frustrated by things like that. I think frustration can couple guilt a lot and we can use that frustration as fuel to say, all right, what am I going to do better this month then? I missed that one before. I'm going to do something better with it this month or I'm just going to cross this off my list and move on. No, it's true. I heard you say too on a podcast um, recently that besides being afraid of failure, we as women also fear success, which resonated so deeply with me and how we can really unintentionally, subconsciously (laughs) self-sabotage and hold ourselves back even from what we want in life. So can you walk listeners through your process for embracing the change and the growth that comes I mean, often necessarily on that road to success. Yeah, that is a, that is, I think where the exercise in faith comes in. Um, Success is never really going to happen overnight. And I think we get very afraid of things that will happen in the 15th, 16th and 17th step forward. And so we just don't take the first step forward. But I, I'll tell you that there have been so many seemingly great ideas that I've had. And I took the first step forward and those things changed. <laughs> and uh, over time, we are readied and prepared for things. So that's my encouragement is if you're fearing success, just know it's not going to happen overnight. Take the first step and then you take the next step and then you take the next step. And little by little, you will be more confident and prepared and you'll have momentum built by that point. Absolutely. What do you think if there is one thing is the one thing holding women back most in 2020, especially? Oh, my first instinct is to say comparison Mm. uh, because we look so much too much at other people's lives. And there is a good kind of comparison where we want to model after someone whose faith is strong or who's doing motherhood very well. And that's fine. I think that's good. Uh, but I think that I see so many people saying, wow, I am so far behind because this person did this and this person did this. Um, we've got to put our blinders on. And, and like I said, for me, social media, stopping that wasn't initially about comparison. It really was about, I just want my time back right now. I just want the quiet with the Lord. I want some solitude. Um, but the byproduct was, oh, I, I realized that I'm not reacting to all these things. It's almost like you have too many relationships. And I had this (laughs) compassion fatigue. If you imagine having 
even 300 people in your living room on a day-to-day basis telling you what they think, telling you what they like. Oh man, that's exhausting. So truly, uh, it is, it is. So we have to be our own advocate and turn down the noise a little bit. Absolutely. So I want to close things up by asking you a question that I ask all guests who come on the Thrive Podcast. And that is, what does thrive mean to you? And how do you strive to thrive in your own everyday life? Mm, The first thing I think of is my garden. Uh, And I think about how my garden thrives with little by little attention. Uh, It doesn't thrive by me pouring a whole bucket of water on it and then walking away and saying, okay, I'm done. I'd like that to happen in my life where I could just say, okay, let me just invest a little bit here and then I'm done. Um, But to thrive does mean a continual process of coming back to what matters and then making intentional actions forward and another one and another one and another one and then doing that whole cycle again. But the thing is that sounds on the outset like, oh, that's just a lot of things to do or like a long list of things to tend to. And that's what thriving is. And it's not, um, for me, it's in the, the tending in the little steps forward that I'm actually finding really great joy. Um, and especially out in my garden, I love going out there and I love watering the flowers and seeing new things that bloomed. And I notice things more in the little by little instead of the all at once. I love that too. And what a beautiful step back with so much craziness in the world right now. It's like, what a beautiful thing to always be able to recenter and refocus Mm. and just appreciate the little things of nature and of this beautiful Mm -hmm. life that God gave us. Yes. Yes, indeed. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Thrive Podcast today, Laura. Where can people find you online? Give us, give us the full, the full spiel. Well, thank you so much. I greatly, greatly appreciate all you're doing for women right now. And so grateful for this conversation and for our musical theater prowess together. <laughs> um, I, the best place to find me right now is um, through cultivatewhatmatters.com and lauracasey.com. Um, but at Cultivate, we have a page of free resources and so many things for this time um, to help you thrive in the midst of this uncertainty and this heartache. So hop on over to cultivatewhatmatters.com. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Wait, before you go, if you like what you just listened to, drop us five stars on iTunes. Make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. And if you're on Instagram, snap a screenshot and share to your story with what episode you're tuning into and tag me at Erica Legenza with what part resonated with you the most. That way I can see what's helping you and your friends can pick up a helpful tidbit too. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.